All right, welcome to another episode of the Walleye World Podcast. This is late April and a lot's going on. I fished Michigan Walleye Tour and had a blast. Thank you, Saginaw Bay Walleye Club, for putting out a great event. And this podcast is brought to you by Lake St. Clair Walleye Association. Today, I have a special guest, a good friend of mine. He actually stood my wedding, so one of my most trusted friends, good guy. He's the owner and operator of Chrome Seeker Sports Fishing. It's a multi-species guide service located in Michigan. He's all throughout the state. Right now, he's down in the southeast corner of the state where I live, so it's kind of like a homecoming because that's where Dan's from. And uh, he does cold water trips out of Frankfurt in the northwest corner of the Lower Peninsula. And today, we're going to be talking walleye fishing and some of his unique perspectives. So, Dan Stewart, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for having me, Rob. I really appreciate it. Um, So, yeah, I started Chrome Seekers about five years ago, the guiding part, and uh, I just realized actually it was five years so that's pretty incredible yeah um they say once you get to five years you've pretty much made it so that's super exciting um it started as a guide service and then um i started doing a little char fishing for another company and then mm-hmm. um i i was getting pictures of 30 pound kings well 25 30 pound kings while yeah. i was char fishing down on catching walleye and i'm like you know what it's august I kind of want to go salmon fishing right now. So <laughs> not that I don't love the walleye, but during August, it's I love salmon fishing. So I bought another boat and started char fishing in Frankfurt, Michigan, catching big old giant king salmon. So nice. I've well, been doing that for a while. So I was like, it like fit right in. It was a great year last year. Nice. And so, now we're walleye fishing. Yeah, we are. So like I said, Dan's a good buddy of mine. Him and I go way back. And Dan, I remember when the idea of... Uh, Chrome Seeker Sport Fishing was just kind of a spark in your eye. Yeah. It was probably uh, somewhere over a couple beers over in uh, northern Michigan while steelhead or salmon fishing. Yeah. And uh, now you're here today. So, Dan, you do a little bit of everything. You do the salmon stuff that you mentioned. you got a big pro line, which is your main Great Lakes cruiser, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. How big is that sucker? 27-footer. Cool. So you can get people out on the bigger boats for salmon, steelhead, yep. lake trout. Yep. And then... Uh, you got stuff for river fishing for salmon steelhead? Yep, yep. I got another smoker craft for the rivers, um, Pier Marquette River and Big Manistee River. And hopefully if things work out, I'll be doing some trips, some more trips on the Betsy River this year. So Nice. Nice to home, close to home. <laughs> so Dan's originally from this area of the state, southeast corner of Michigan. And we're just cracking a couple beers here, having a good time. It's like homecoming. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a while. I haven't seen you in couple months it's been a while man because i know you got your new place up in uh frankfurt area you're getting all settled in and And you've uh, been a busy man with a newborn so yeah everett's keeping me busy yeah but uh you know i still get it in i still get out i fish michigan walleye tour and Mm -hmm. dan you're down here now and you're doing guide trips on the detroit river yep and uh i mean you picked up on that pretty darn quick yeah Uh, one thing we'll talk about is some of your background and how that's kind of given you the ability to read water read river systems and get on these walleye not necessarily being a walleye as your main passion but right your good sticks regardless of what species you target that skill can translate to whatever you're targeting so that's one of your strengths dan we'll definitely chat about that yeah so tell us a little bit more about yourself you got the guide business um, you know, you got your, your new house up in uh, yeah. the northwest corner of the state. What else is going on in Dan Stewart's world? Jeez. Well, it used to just be fishing, 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 but yeah. now it's like uh, I 
pretty much just pay attention to my bit my char business and then I also am running a vacation rental business so just trying to keep that running smoothly and do all the computer work and paperwork and all that stuff and trying to pay attention to the, to my family and friends whenever I possibly can yep so it's funny you you grow up and you're you're just doing what you want to do and all of a sudden you have uh, things you have to get done so right. I try to just keep everything running smoothly yeah i'd say you're doing a pretty good job doing it trying instagram i see you chopping down trees at the new house and stuff but uh, oh yeah making that house beautiful yeah so tell us about some of the vacation rental stuff you got going on yeah so me and my parents have a vacation rental business and it's called uh blissful vacations and uh we have a place in hale michigan on west londo lake Mm -hmm. and uh, we run a nice cottage out there and then uh, last year on actually January 2nd of 2018, I bought my own place. And All right. I realized that um, during the summer, I was just going to be staying there. So why not make it into another vacation rental? So there you go. I rented out uh, May, June, July, and this year I'll be doing August. So nice. So then when I'm downstate fishing down here, I can be making a little bit of extra money to cover my expenses on my house. And heck, might as well put people in it. Yeah. Plus, I think your insurance is a little cheaper then. <laughs> nice. I'm a bad friend. I still haven't seen your new place, but I promise I'll get up there soon enough. You've been a busy man. I, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Dan's, like I said, he's down here to talk walleye fishing. Yep. And um, he's a good stick and a good friend of mine. He's uh, He runs trips on Lake St. Clair, uh, St. Clair River and the channels on the river proper. And he's mostly doing Detroit River stuff right now. So Yeah. Yeah, Dan, um, I think a lot of people maybe see you on social media, and, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate to know you as one of my good friends. I've known you for, what, eight, ten years? Yeah, it's we're going on almost probably ten years now. <laughs> so <laughs> funny, funny story, the first time I met Dan, he's giggling right now, but um, the first time I met him was a steelhead fishing trip, and he was having some major motor issues with his... Uh, previous boat and i remember uh older got, boat much older boat much older boat this is uh oh geez some kind of old tin can and just was given a hard time and i just remember the one time he uh and this was after i just dumped like like a thousand bucks in this <laughs> garbage boat <laughs> so needless to say he kind of had enough and uh he pulled the cowl on it tried to look at a couple of things to diagnose it and then uh this is one of the few times i've ever heard my buddy dan swear he said something I can't say on the podcast and just hurled the top cowl, gave it a nice crack. <laughs> and uh, from there, we decided uh, this ain't happening. We're going to be in waders and yep. <laughs> fishing tippy dam. I thought you were done with me. You were probably thinking, who is this crazy dude? He's got some issues. And then we just become, we started talking. We talked on and off from time to time. And then we just became friends. And now we fish. And I've taught you some stuff. You've taught me some stuff, and we just enjoy fishing with each other. And we can't forget about Kelvin because we enjoy fishing with Kelvin too. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that got us together. Yeah, uh, Kelvin's my brother-in-law. is a really good angler. He fished the Michigan Walleye Tour in April on the Detroit River with me, and he's fished other tournaments. Great stick, and he's a busy man. He's got two little boys now, so him and his wife are pretty darn busy. But um, yeah, we. I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that everyone has their own background and perspective on fishing and everyone can learn something from one another. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a close group of friends from the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association, you guys. Um, 
And it's just a good thing to surround yourself with good people because when you do Heck that, yeah. good things happen. Oh, definitely. Um, so, yeah, Dan, I I kind of mentioned earlier that people know Dan for his cold water salmon steelhead fishing. And I do believe that's when you knocked one of your biggest walleyes ever, if not your biggest yep. walleye. So tell us a story about your biggest walleye you ever caught. Yeah, I actually was just a young guy. I'm pretty sure I was on spring break. Most people, most probably maybe smarter people go somewhere warm during <laughs> spring break. But I decided that I wanted to go fish the White River for some steelhead. And uh, I don't remember what I did for steel that day, but I remember floating a bobber through this one run, and the bobber went down, and I was all excited. And right when I hooked into that fish, I was like, oh, it's a log. Just <laughs> felt, it did not feel steelheady. And all of a sudden, it just, all of a sudden, that tug, that heavy tug of a, at, at the time, I didn't know because mm-hmm. I was just a young guy, but now that I'm older, I remember it, it was just a, a tug of a big wall, just head shaking. Yeah. And the fight wasn't the greatest because it was, it, she had been running up the river and by landing her. And I don't know, this fish, it had the belly of a bowling ball. <laughs> and it was a big fish. Like, I want to say close to 15 pounds. It was a big fish. I, I didn't get a scale on it because I, popped the hook, took a quick picture, threw her back so she could do her thing. Yeah. But it was big fish. <laughs> yeah, Dan, I've seen the picture of that fish, and uh, it's no secret that a lot of those Lake Michigan strain fish, right, are pretty darn big. And yeah. that's pretty special that you got one that big. Yeah. Um, in an, un- an unlikely way when you're targeting a different species. Yep. So it was really cool. You got a quick picture, center mm-hmm. free, so she could do her thing. But um, yeah. I talked in an earlier podcast episode is that there's – similarities and overlap and different species techniques oh definitely um, it all helps you so i mean something that i think that makes dan a more unique angler is looking at walleye fishing through the eyes of a salmon trout and steelhead specialist Mm -hmm. and uh specifically you know dan he's fished michigan the west side of the state the east side he's fished in the upper peninsula he's fished in ontario and he kind of first cut his teeth doing guide service stuff in Alaska on the Kenai. So, Dan, tell us a little bit about your experience guiding out in Alaska and how that's kind of sets you up for success and having a different perspective when targeting walleyes. Um, well, actually, it was kind of interesting because I went to Alaska thinking that it was going to be kind of like Michigan. And when I got out there, it wasn't at all. The guy kind of gave me a $50,000 bow and said, go catch fish. And I got out there and I was just like, this is completely different than what I'm used to. Those guys in Alaska, I mean, I actually had to learn on YouTube (laughs) how to catch king salmon on the Kenai. Mm -hmm. And um, once I figured, once I studied it, I talked to people, I become buddies with a couple of the other guides that were around my age. I was 21 at the time. So I became friends with a couple of those guys. Yeah. Um, I took what I found out from them, then f- took the stuff from YouTube, put it together, and I started catching fish and just paying attention to what was going on around me. But um, yeah, it was way different. In Alaska, they used the jet divers with uh, uh, corkies and plugs and uh, big, big quick fish. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit different than what I'm used to here in Michigan because we fish skein and spawn bags and stuff. And they do the, they fish skein and spawn bags out there, but they don't, they don't fish it the way we do here. Right. So they were more 
that we were more backdropping the baits in Alaska. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just it was completely different. I had to f- figure it out quick because I had people paying me big money to do that. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, nice. Yeah. So Dan, you talked about. Um, like maybe back trolling, or yeah. I'm not sure what the Alaskan term is for. I think it's back trolling. <laughs> but um, yeah, there's some similarities there with with walleye fishing. It's it's no secret, um, especially in St. Clair River, Detroit River, people pull bottom bouncers and stuff. Oh right? yeah. And uh, you know, us walleye guys, we don't necessarily use floats a whole lot unless you're slip fo- floating structure and stuff like that. But um, you know, we use boats to control our presentations if we're vertical jigging. That's a lot of what you're doing on the Detroit River right now, right? Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I was actually just thinking about this the other day when we were drifting down river in Alaska. You continue to move down with with the river slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily have to be vertical, but uh, it's kind of the same thing. All these boats all together in Alaska is the same thing on the Kenai, just rod tip to rod tip, flowing down. Mm-hmm. And rod fish goes off, everybody gets out of the way. But anyways, yeah. So in Detroit River, you guys stay vertical, so. That's some similarities. Yeah, and Dan, one thing you've talked to me before is, uh, you know, some different species anglers have different perspectives, and you might yeah. not necessarily see the same amount of courtesy that you see. I remember one of the first times we went down to the Detroit, Detroit River together. He said, "How are these people not having like fist fights or arguing? Something a little bit different." I, I would imagine that um, maybe it was more of like a zero sum game in Alaska that you don't necessarily want people on your spot or nope, copying nope. your drift. It, you kind of ex- on the Kenai, especially it's world famous. Everybody's fishing it. Okay. So in like, if you're in, I remember this one hole, it's called the fallen in hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally everybody's fishing rod tip to rod tip. You'll have 50 boats in this one hole, but it's just the cool thing about the Kenai that, they mm-hmm. teach ethics so that, like, when somebody does hook up on a big king salmon, you, every it doesn't matter who it is, you get out of the way for that guy because those fish are so hard to catch, yeah. so hard to hook. So when someone hooks up, you do the right thing, get out of the way so that guy can get get his fish in. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, in the Detroit River, it's unless you're hooked onto a sturgeon or a <laughs> really big walleye, yeah. you don't really, you shouldn't really have to move out of the way for people, right? So one of the things I'm kind of curious about, Dan, yeah. is is um, the ability to read water. So you're doing yeah. river stuff right now in the Detroit River. Yep. And tell us how some of the stuff that you've done, cold water fishing, reading yeah. current seams, reading mm-hmm. um, maybe some of the things about how water warms up at different times of the day, that how that's helped you kind of learn the Detroit River and got your clients yeah. on successful trips. Well, something that I'm pretty sure you taught me at one point was uh, marking where you hook a fish. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first year, like really diving into the Detroit River, I was be, my customers would be hooking fish, so I'd be hitting mark. And what I've noticed over the year is that there's certain, it seems like there's certain areas where more fish hold. Absolutely. And if you look on your GPS and you're hitting mark every time there's a fish hooked, you create like almost like a like a funnel or certain spots, and then if you look at where that those that spot is on your GPS, you'll notice there's some seams or a drop off or a mm-hmm. pocket of water. Like there's a, a spot behind an island somewhere on the <laughs> Detroit River. Yeah, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to give it away, but last year I really dived into this one spot, 
And it seemed like if I was 10 feet off to the east or 10 feet off to the west, we didn't get fish. Mm -hmm. But if I could pin put that boat right above that spot and go through that funnel, we caught fish. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I'm not saying that you had to be in the exact same spot because we admit we would hit that spot, maybe catch a couple of fish, maybe keep going down river and hook a couple of fish. I mean, it just kind of varies on how you're doing if you're. I mean, if you're making long drifts and you're still hooking fish and keep going, but if it's if the fish are pocketed together, all schooled up, um, why? It's almost like why keep drifting to find more fish when you can just go where you know there's fish. Yeah, being efficient. And one of the things, and, and a lot of um, advanced anglers probably do this already, but for people that are just learning the sport of walleye fishing, your foundation for continued success is historical data. And what I mean by that is when you're dropping waypoints, that's going to tell you where the fish are. And then you're going to have that information in your GPS unit, and you'll be able to reference that back and kind of dial in a program. Oh, yeah. So it's no secret that walleyes are creatures of edges. Dan talked about how if he was a little bit off on a drift, he wouldn't be catching fish or a little bit off the other ways. Yeah. Walleyes are very specific on how they hold the structure, where they are, given currents, winds, um, migratory movements like the spawning events on the Detroit River or wherever else they're going. Oh, yeah. And uh, a general understanding of fishing rivers helps you set up for success. Yeah. So one thing I'd notice about the Detroit River, unless you are in a few spots, you're not necessarily going to see an obvious current seam like you'd see mm-hmm. if you're fishing out, like, say, the Pier Marquette fishing for right. steelhead. Um, but they're there. Yeah. So, Tell me what you think about current seams and how that affects where walleyes will stage on that Detroit River. Uh, well, I mean, there's certain current seams throughout the river that I target. Um, there's a there's a couple spots that I like to hit where there's just some sort of seam where you can see some sort of boil in the water. Mm-hmm. Um and I like to hit those spots. And again, it goes back to marking it on your GPS. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that like a lot of the points are in that current seam. Um, and then also like there's certain areas where it just drops off and it seems like there's fish in that drop off section. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a spot last year near the granary where it wasn't necessarily a current seam. I was fishing more structure, yeah. but I was up against the pilings and we were... I mean, everybody's out fishing in the middle of the river, and we were whacking fish up in those uh, in those pilings. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. I just I, and then depending on, I mean, I kind of just jump around and see wh- where the fish are. Yeah. Um. But if I hit a certain spot where, uh, if I'm working the river and certain spots aren't working, then I just keep moving around until I find fish. It's almost like when I'm stealing fishing. Right. If I'm not catching anything in one hole, well, why, why? keep beating up the same hole when there's nothing in there just move on to the next spot exactly so eat so you never know i mean there was there was a time last year where we were fishing uh below the steel mill mm-hmm. and we were uh we were catching fish and um we were catching fish in the deeper section and uh i think another char guy said hey go go up in the shallow water there's fish up there and they were up there spawning and we went through there and we i think we finished off our limit like two or three drifts one day. I oh, mean, yeah. we start off deep and then Char guy was like, go up there. So we went up there and he was, he was dead on. So, nice. but I think it's just more about like, like I was talking to my buddy Jeremy today and he was telling me how this one spot the other day, he whacked him 
And then we went there today, and I think we, we got a big old giant sheep head, and then we caught, I think we caught one walleye down there, and we, just like me, he kept moving on, and we ended up uh, at the Ambassador. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I heard you say, Dan, is that, you, that you're constantly talking with your fellow guides. To oh, yeah. Help each other be successful. Yep. And that kind of goes back to a point that I made earlier, that you want to surround yourself with good people, whether you're a tournament oh, fisherman, definitely. fun fisherman, um, or you're, you're a guide. The people you surround yourself with are who affect your character, who affect um, how you approach fishing, and I think it's just a good thing to have good people around you. Oh, without a doubt, man. It's, I mean, it's all about network, networking. I Mm -hmm. mean, even before I started char fishing, I mean, I could call, I could have a buddy call me and tell me that there was fish in this river, and I, I could get on it. But you know, sometimes though, that doesn't work. No. I mean, people are getting to the point today where they're like relying on the internet mm-hmm. for reports or cyber relying scouts. on their friends. Yeah, they're cyber scouts. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes you you might miss the bite. You might miss it. The best time to find the best bite is now. Just if you can get out there and make your own records, make your own yeah. reports, and share that with your buddies. And it's going to help you do a few things. One, I think it's going to help you learn more about how to be a better angler. It'll give you the confidence how to search and find for fish. Yeah. And also, it'll help you learn techniques that you may or may not be comfortable with on your own. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to not be afraid to kind of go on your own. and Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the story of your guide experience here, right, Dan? Like, you're not like a diehard, like a... Walleye guy originally, you're yeah. you're a salmon steelhead guy by but by taking risks and going out there on your own, you learn the fishery. Oh yeah, and you're getting clients out. on uh, very successful trips. So yeah, yeah, that speaks for itself. So Dan, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you do on the river. Um, everyone knows it's no secret that jigging is a very popular way to get your yeah. limits of delicious fish. You know, good eaters, but you can also oh, yeah. get big fish too. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you run for fishing. Um, if you have any techniques, specific things with jigging strokes, particular baits you like for like stained water, clean water. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about what you do for jigging that makes your stuff a little bit more unique. Well, I love to find that that dirty water if I can get it. Yeah. If I could get a can of, but sometimes I'm stuck in Michigan. Um, I mean, dirty water. I, I've noticed with... Like, I run a lot of finesse mills, the Wyandotte Worms, uh, mm. walleye assassins. I mean, there's there's a these walleye, sometimes they'll just bite everything. I mean, last year, I was <laughs> when it was unbelievable, I think it was the last week of April, first week of May, I mean, I, I put on a, a, a bass uh, tube jig. Mm. It was just a, uh, I think it was like a pumpkin seed tube jig. And I'm like, yeah, let's see if it'll work. And I put it down there, and I was just banging fish like crazy and i was like geez i think it was like those tentacles or something that were just attracting fish so uh cadences i've noticed have made a a a difference for me the the last year or so Mm -hmm. last year when i started running trips the first week of april um water was super cold yep we were fishing we weren't really doing well and my customers are just doing normal jigging techniques, bouncing the jig off the bottom, and nobody was really doing well. So I was like, well, let's let's slow it up a little bit. And I was just very slowly hitting the bottom, lifting it up, hitting the bottom, lifting it up. Mm-hmm. And we started catching fish. Um, 
now that it's getting a little bit warmer, I think. I mean, I'm not really sure what's going on with this weather, but <laughs> hopefully it turns around. <laughs> I mean, it's been kind of different today, or it's been kind of different this week. Uh, this week, I've been like just normal up and down, up and down, up and down. Today, I noticed I was, I was going, the only time I was getting hit, if I hit bottom, actually, I like dropped it to the bottom hard and then I lifted it up like semi, semi semi-fast not mm-hmm. not like like a almost like a snap but uh just like semi-fast and then i held it but then i dropped it so i almost gave gave it a little bit of like airtime where i mm-hmm. didn't feel it and they were hitting that way so uh i don't know i just kind of move it or keep jigging and until i find a cadence that works for that day and it yep. could be different there's been uh there was a time last year where they were not hitting it on anything so i almost I, I would hit bottom, lift it up, drop it almost to the bottom, lift it back up, and then hit bottom again. Mm-hmm. And that was the only way I was getting fish. I was like, mm-hmm. what the heck? And now, explain that to customers. That's just even harder. So I don't remember exactly what we did that day, but yeah. we figured it out. I would say one thing that you kind of talked about there, Dan, is that um, you need to be, if you're a jig fisherman or you want to learn the vertical jigging game in the Detroit River right now, you need to be very attentive to what you're doing. Oh, exactly. I'm all about like the small lifts, and I think that's common knowledge. But don't be afraid to change your your rhythms up, your cadence, so how fast you're lifting, if you're pausing, how hard you're tapping the bottom, mm-hmm. because sometimes that does make a difference. Uh, yeah. Typically in the colder water, I'm always going slow, and I love the handline too. I did some handlining in Michigan walleye tour during the tournament. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the point we're trying to make here is that you got to be versatile and always, always pay attention. One thing Dan and I are both kind of doing different this year is we've been running Lamaglass rods. So I run the closer and I use that for Michigan walleye tour. And Dan's running Lamaglass for his trips, for his clients and mm-hmm. for himself. And I know it's made a difference for me. I've never had a oh, yeah. rod that's so sensitive that I feel the bite completely up my arm. Yeah. And um, I'm not always a jigger first, but tell you what, I'm kind of falling back in love with vertical jigging. I, I really love hand lining, but jigging was a ticket for me on Michigan Walleye Tour. So uh, I know what I like, Dan, but tell me a little bit about your ideal setup for vertical jigging. Yeah, I'm loving that that hammer rod by Lama Glass. Uh, I just I started, not tried that one yet. I just started fishing this year and... I mean, it's it's great for customers because customers are a little bit more rougher on the rods or not like uh, p- pay very close attention to their rods, making sure they're not in bad spots. Like mm-hmm. maybe if I didn't have customers, I'd have a closer rod. Something I want to say to the audience is if you snag bottom, try and break off as quick as possible. Yes. Because yesterday we snagged into something <laughs> – Usually I can tell you when something is going on and I thought for sure we were into a big sturgeon. <laughs> thought for sure. And uh, we started moving around thinking there was a big fish and then I was just like, like it was pulling like it was a fish and then it turned, we pulled it up and it turned out to be someone's braid. <laughs> And then we pulled in, I somehow, the cus, I don't know if the customer did or me, but we pulled in five jigs, brand new jigs. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But attached to it was probably 200 yards of braid. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So if you snag bottom, just snap it off. Don't cut it. Don't cut it above the, at your rod tip, just 
break it off, grab the spool, break it off. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you don't, you're just going to make a mess and you're going to make a mess for all your angler buddies behind you. And uh, you're just going to make a mess in the river. They'll tick everybody off. So <laughs> break it off. Yep. That's part of the reason why I do the fluorocarbon thing too. Yeah, right? that's just fluorocarbon is great for that. Breaks so easy. And uh, yeah, so enough about line. Uh, yeah. Cool that you're with Lama Glass as well. Oh, I um, love it. To check out those hammers. Yeah. But uh, if you're a steelheader, that center line rod is that, or no, red line. Yeah. Red line rod is mm -hmm. awesome. Like, don't, and be careful saying hook because that thing is like solid. You, if you miss a fish, it comes flying back at you. Yeah, I know what you're saying. So, like, in some of the soft, more soft or moderate action, oh. steelhead rods, it's more noodly. And, yep. and you really got to drive it home more, especially if you got more line out. But, Not with that red line rod. Yeah. It's, it's, it's dead on. I got that stick for steelhead fishing, but honestly, I have not used it for steelhead fishing. I will confess, though, I did run the center line, I'm sorry, the red, red line, line center pin, <laughs> and I was center pinning on the Detroit River this past weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. How so was that? It was pretty cool. So um, it's no secret that there are some areas that you can do it, right? Yeah. And I like to go in some of the shallow areas. And I can just have the perfect drift with the center pin. That's mm -hmm. one of the benefits of running that technique. Yeah. My dad was hand lining. Yeah. And we were uh, we we're fishing uh, a spot on the Canadian side. And um, while he was hand lining, I said, you know what? I'm going to take a break from hand lining. Yeah. I'm going to cast my three-quarter ounce jig with a 25-gram float <laughs> up in the shallows and target areas that I know I've seen them on the side scan. So, yeah. I thought it'd work. Um, it didn't happen that time because um, it was really muddy in there. Yeah. We couldn't get him going hand lining, vertical jigging, or using the center pin. But it has been done before, and I do recall that we have caught steelhead and walleyes, specifically walleyes, on your boat on the big man of steel. Oh, yeah. Using center pins. Yep, I so, remember that. Yeah, I'm going to screw around more on the Detroit River using the center pin. We, we should do that. I have to go back up north to get my red line because for some dumb reason I left it up north. Oops. But when we come home, we should go out there in like late May, early June and see if we can get some on the center <laughs> pin because that would be cool. Yeah. That'd be fun. And some of those bigger fish hang out in the shallows. So I think like yeah. if, if we could do it earlier in April and we can still get it done now. Yeah. But I don't have a center pin. I think we'll be surprised. <laughs> I got buddy, I got an extra one sitting oh, right there. So well then we'll, let let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean uh, I guess why I shared that point is just to let everyone know that hey, if the fishing's really good and you know you're a good jig fisherman, you know you're a good handliner. Do something different. Get yourself out of your comfort zone. Learn yeah. something different. Try something, and you might surprise yourself, and you could hammer some big fish. Yeah. It makes I, it interesting. It does. Trying right? something new. Speaking of trying something new, Dan's reaching for his beef jerky outlet, prime rib beef jerky flavored jerky. I got to try this. I had that stuff when I was fishing Michigan walleye tour, and I was an idiot. I didn't eat breakfast in the morning, but in between Ooh. our drifts going back up, yeah, isn't that good? Oh, yeah. Um, that was my go-to stuff bumping back up the spots so i like it we got oh, piles smells. of jerky here and we're just going to keep talking and enjoying some of this good stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well let me digest some of this <laughs> <laughs> all right so one of the things we talked about earlier on the show is that it's important to have people you're talking to on the river anybody oh, water yeah. help you learn it fast and uh, one day it was super super cold i think it was two or three years ago yeah dan and i were fishing completely different areas of the river dan was up in the upper and you, I was in the middle of the river. Yeah. And um, 
you know, we were both kind of bouncing around trying to find fish. And, you know, we're, we weren't going for giant sluggers. We were going for, for lunch, right? Yeah. But um, And this was after we had been doing pretty well in the river. Right. Like, we knew there was fish in the river. Yeah. So there's always constant pushes of new fish in the river. And yeah. They're always moving in and out, dropping back after yep. spawning. And then you got the resident population. But it just wasn't happening that yeah, day. Yeah, it was not. So we were texting each other, calling each other. Kind of frustrating. Very frustrating. So then, um, just to illustrate the point of importance of communication, is uh, all of a sudden, in a very tight drift, no other boats around, mm-hmm. me and my angler that I had on the boat, we started pounding the fish. I mean, one drift, we got six going on there. So immediately, I called my buddy Dan. Dan came back down, mm-hmm. and he was doing the same drift with me, and we were filling our coolers. Oh, and yeah. That, that's the goal there. But, um, you know, it's important to constantly communicate and then think about why those fish are there and why were you being successful in one portion of the river rather than the other. Yeah. So Dan and I kind of put our brains together after he got done fighting a giant sturgeon. Oh, yeah. And releasing that thing right away. We would have been limited out if we didn't hook that sturgeon. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. We were, were dancing small. with that. We hooked like four fish. Like you called me, I showed up, and it was like bam, bam, bam. I'm like, yeah, we're going to get our limit, of, and the guys would be happy. And then we hooked that sturgeon, and uh, I gave them a chance to break it off, but they want to fight it. But you, you limited out by. I think you limit out by the time I got 100 feet away from, or a couple hundred yards away from you. Yeah. But we we fought that sturgeon at the end of the trip, but <laughs> I. I mean, I think that day was, it was just about the weather. Like it started warming up. It turned into a really beautiful day mm-hmm. and it's, it, it was almost like steelhead fishing. Like sometimes you're on steelhead fishing, like you can be fishing, fishing, fishing in the mornings. And then all of a sudden that water temperature goes up just a little bit. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden those fish just turn on and you just start hammering them. I think it was, I think that played a key role in that day yeah so as i kind of mentioned dan and i kind of put our heads together and and straight up the area that i was in and uh you know i I knew this kind of tacitly i knew that it would get the sun first and warm up faster than some of those upper river spots Mm -hmm. uh just had more exposure didn't have buildings to block out the sunlight and for a cold weather condition i knew that was going to help out so that is what kind of put things together. And when you have good friends and you can bounce those mm. ideas off to each other, it helps everyone learn. Yeah, I agree. It, so, it would have been a really bad day if you didn't call me that day. Yeah, so just ha- it's cool to have buddies you're talking to. There's fishing clubs. Obviously, we have the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association. There's tons oh, yeah. of great organizations, just buddies you can meet online through mm-hmm. Facebook groups. But surround yourself with good people and all your outdoor goals will be met. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, maybe in the past I was more about big fish. And don't get me wrong, I love catching big fish. I'm a Who tournament doesn't? angler. <laughs> but sometimes it's just fun to catch dinner and uh, have that experience and just be out there on the water. With, with friends. Yeah. I mean, that was you were out there with a buddy that day. And it's like, I mean, he'll remember that for the rest of his life because they, they he probably doesn't get out much. And you got him into some fish and it was a good day. Yeah, and, and that's got to be something special about your job, Dan, is that your job is to help make memories and get people out to do things oh, that they yeah. normally never get to do, and that's got to yep. be rewarding. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, to put somebody on their first limit of walleye or catch somebody, get somebody into a big, giant salmon. Mm-hmm. Um, that girl today, we we thought we had a sturgeon on. She was just whooping and hollering, and <laughs> she was so excited and um it was not sturgeon. It was another piece of braided line. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> this Bray Lion acts like it's fighting. But, I mean, she was excited about it. I mean, that's what happens when you take people fishing it. Uh, might not get to experience something. She does fish. That girl yeah. did fish. But other people, I mean, I've taken little kids out that just play in the minnow bucket the whole time, and they think it's the best thing in the <laughs> world. And I, I always make jokes with the dads they, saying, we could just stay at the dock, and you could save some money just by buying a minnow bucket full of minnows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they think it's hilarious. So I think one of the beautiful things about fishing, and uh, it's easy to kind of get lost in uh, uh, the excitement of catching limits or catching the big fish to oh, win yeah. a tournament, is that it's something special, and everyone's experience a little bit different. But it's it's the experience in the outdoors, being on the water, and connecting with friends. Yeah, that just makes it uh, unique and draws people back. Yeah. So yeah, yeah don't like a lot of people are worried about catching the most fish or catching the biggest fish. And I mean, people need to realize that's not all about that. I mean, the, the experience, the adventure of doing it. Um, I mean, if we keep going down this path of, we got to fill our coolers full of fish, then I mean, you, you, you gotta be careful doing that because you don't want to ruin the experience. Right. And going and doing something, the same, the same thing over and over and over again, you get bored. So why not go try something new? And you might go, I don't know, you might go into the bush in Canada trying to catch something and you might not, but you'll remember that some of my most prized days are the days that you try your hardest and you sometimes don't always succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, heck, remember that one day you and I were steelhead fishing the board? I think it was your bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> we went steelhead fishing. You call a little brown trout the first cast. And I said, Rob, that's not good news. <laughs> and you're like, why is that? I'm like, first cast fish is bad luck. We never caught fish the rest of that trip. Nope. And, but I remember that because, I mean, one, we were at your bachelor party. And two, that experience happened. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, But it was still fun, <laughs> you and me hanging out. Yeah, you know your fish heads if you're you're fishing on your bachelor party. And, uh, <laughs> anytime we can get it in, we do it. Heck, so. yeah. We were, I think we were up late that night, and we were up early. You and I were yes, up sir. early. We were up super early to fish, and it was a good time. But just, just little things like that, I mean, people need to... Uh, just remember the experience with the people they're with mm-hmm. and don't, I mean, if you catch a limit, that's just a bonus. I've never understood that. I seen that when I was a little kid, I read that on the internet all the time. Oh, you caught fish. That's just a bonus. And I never understood that. But now that I'm, I'm 33, almost turning 34, mm-hmm. I really realize that because I mean, you just remember the little things that one time you caught, you took me walleye fishing. When did we do that? First week of April? It was cold out. <laughs> and we we were only hooking musky. <laughs> yeah. But you got me my first musky ever. And, I mean, we fished hard, and we never caught walleye, but we caught that big, giant musky. And, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget that. Yep, Lake St. Clair. Like you said, he'll never forget that. Yeah. Hey, speaking of something you'll never forget, <laughs> try this honey barbecue. <laughs> Smoked beef jerky. Yeah, I love jerky. This stuff's good. Oh my gosh, I pretty good stuff. I get a lot of this beef jerky on the boat, and man, I've been bringing. I've I've been brought some good stuff. This stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm gonna take a second bite. <laughs> Don't be shy. I like that stuff. It's got a good amount of honey flavor, a little bit of spice. So yeah, anywhere you go, I mean, there's surround yourself with good people, 
enjoy yourself and have good times. And I think you'll find success in due mm-hmm. time. Um, so Dan, you do some trips on Lake St. Clair as well. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't think you fished it a whole lot growing up, but tell no, us a little no, bit I didn't. about, oh, you did? Okay. Well, not like now, but mm-hmm. I mean, like my dad took me, we used to have a Chris Craft. I think I've told, maybe I haven't told you, but we used to have a Chris Craft back like for probably, I think eight years. So my dad would take me out on Lake St. Clair, but my dad wasn't much of a, he, he liked to fish, but he really didn't know the techniques. He didn't dive into it like you and I do. And mm-hmm. um, we tried. Let's just put it that way. We tried. But my first fishing experience that my dad brings up all the time is how we went on our friend's boat. And I was reeling in four-pound walleye with a Mickey Mouse rod <laughs> somewhere on Lake St. Clair. I wish to God I knew who, that guy that got me into those fish. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't start really learning Lake St. Clair till I don't know eight years, 10 years ago. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. So now you do trips out there and yeah. you troll for walleyes. I think you target smallmouth bass as well yep. too, musky. Yep. Tell us what you think about the walleye fish around Lake St. Oh my gosh. It is incredible. Like I'm actually kind of, well, I mean, I'm, I don't want jigging to be over anytime soon, but <laughs> man, as soon as uh summer rolls around, I'm going to be ready to hit troll those shorelines for, uh, those walleye and then move out to the St. Clair channel and areas around there and yep. just be trolling spinners and body baits. And I'm, I'm more excited about the body bait thing. Yeah, it's a fun bite. Isn't Cause it? I really want to learn it. Like, like get down, figure it out really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I love that body bait hit with those walleye, but I mean, I raise those offshore boards. Yep. Something I want to do this year though is, and I've talked to you about this is, uh, uh, run the, body baits the bandits the fire tigers and fish the pyramids for those salmon yeah i'm confident they'll work yeah i know they'll work i mean we caught a couple on the bandits last year but i mean a lot of those guys they troll the normal stuff out there for salmon but i want to just run body baits for the salmon in front yep. of pyramids and i think we'll tear them up because those fish are not used to seeing that stuff no that will be a cool thing to experiment yeah you know? when you'll you ha- do that you'll have to give me a call <laughs> you'll have to just come you should just plan a day and come on up you know i have a house you yep. can put your wife and Everett, and they can hang out and have fun and you and i can go fish for the morning and when they're up and ready to go we can come back in sounds good Dan's one of the few people that I trust running my boat, and I also trust him with running the show. So, uh, Dan, I'll let you kind of ask me some questions about Michigan Walleye Tour. Um, If you got any, I'm sure you can think of some, but uh, I think it's kind of boring just me talking at a mic and kind of anticipating things. But if you want to give me any barrage of questions about Michigan Walleye Tour, if I can help anyone learn fishing the Detroit River, I'm all about that. So. Yeah, feel free to shoot some questions. I'm ready. Yeah, so uh, you were you talked about you were handlining. You started yeah. off handlining. You switched over to jigging. Yep. What told you that that was the thing to do? Okay, so I'll rewind a little bit. During our pre-fish for Michigan Walleye Tour, we f- planned on doing two days of practice before then. The mm-hmm. first day was completely shot because we had main motor oh. issues and kicker motor issues. Okay. So we couldn't go anywhere. We barely went out. Limp back to the dock. We're like, we got to oh, get this geez. fixed. Yeah. We thought we were out the tournament completely. So, oh, you have to use the bow that what you have to register a bow and you have to use that bow. And if it goes out, you're done. Um, not necessarily, but our plan was to use that bow because we thought it'd be ready. And if right. in a pinch, we could have run my smoker craft. Right. But, um, 
that was set up with the most up-to-date electronics. Oh, yeah. And that was our go-to plan. So we're like, crap, there goes a whole day of pre-fishing. Mm-hmm. So we trailered it back home, and uh, my dad gave a call to Bill Sr. at Rose Marine okay. asking for some help. And uh, without those guys dropping everything they were doing to help us diagnose the problem, getting our kicker running, yeah. helping walk us through what with what we need to do to keep it running in tip-top shape when we thought we were down and out. Yeah. We would have been out of the game. So I just want to thank Rose Marine for keeping us back into it. So then the Friday before the event, we went to the place where we're launching out for the tournament just because you want to be able to learn the water you're going to be launching out of. And you also want to get a time and develop a game program for knowing how much time you can spend checking different spots, oh, how yeah. much time to get back. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The the actual only day we had practice, we didn't get a darn fish. Oh, we no. covered a lot of water. We marked fish, but they weren't going. Were you handlining or doing both? We did both. Okay. So it was muddy that day, if I remember correctly, on from the what Canadian I heard. Canadian side, yeah. Okay. And then um, American side wasn't too bad. Yeah. But we we drove around. We found fish. Couldn't get them to go. So we had zero confidence. And then we just oh, come off the uh, the low of having you know the boat almost completely out of commission and then we got zero fish on the pre-fish we went to the rules meeting and we're like oh man (laughs) this is not gonna be good (laughs) (laughs) we need a game plan fast so (laughs) we knew where we marked the fish in the lower river yeah and we wanted to wait till the morning of to decide if we're gonna run somewhere further up or target there where we mark the fish we ended up going where we marked the fish Mm -hmm. so yeah don't leave fish to find fish yeah even though we couldn't get them going we knew we needed to go there and yeah. just grind on them. Uh-huh. So to answer your question, I kind of went on a little historical background there. <laughs> but um, what told me I need to start jigging uh-huh. is that we were pulling wire uh-huh. and we were going on the lower portion. We're kind of trolling on the outside of a rock reef okay. where there was some sand and, and, and mud and softer stuff. Or we saw the fish on our side scan on the Lorance units yeah. kind of staging up. Yeah. And uh, I only pulled one of them out there. Uh-huh. And then up in front of us, we saw other boats jigging. Oh, and, um, using other people. No one was stroking fish. They weren't catching right. a ton of fish. It was still early though, right? It was still very early. Yeah. So we didn't see any nets drop. Yeah. We pulled one fish hand lining. It was about a four-pounder, mm-hmm. and um, I got it on a really good bait. Uh, locals in Lake St. Clair Walleye Association, we call it Cookie's Trout. It's oh, okay. A, yeah, you've seen it before. Cookie's Trout. Cookie's Trout, <laughs> named after Richard Cook. Yeah. And uh, then we bumped up to the top of the drift, and we said, you know what? Why not just do a drift jigging? Oh, yeah. Give it the one-two punch. That's a good idea. To see what's more effective. Uh-huh. We wanted to work and develop a program. Yeah. So then we decided to do a drift, and... I wasn't getting much going, and then, uh, you know, uh, Calvin, who's my brother-in-law, we talked about him earlier on the show, yeah. he was very observant. He saw that yellow was a primary color on the handlining bait that I got it. Oh, yeah. So he ran a bait that had yellow in it, Uh huh. and he started popping fish. Really? And then uh, we just kept jigging. Yep. I started jigging, and uh, we got my dad jigging as well, mm-hmm. and we slowly started picking away, a three-pounder here, a four-pounder here, and then... Um, then uh, as we kind of kept working things, you know, between that you'd get a eight, nine pounder. Yeah. And uh, between these, you know, and, and these fish, keep in mind they were dumping eggs. So yeah. Why they weren't biting during practice is because they were busy spawning. Oh. They were they were locked jawed. Yeah. And it's not always weather and condition driven. Sometimes the fish are doing their thing. Oh yeah. We were catching the fish and they were dumping eggs. Mm-hmm. So. 
anyways, um, we did the one-two punch. You hand line up and then jig down. Yeah. We found that was the most effective way. So we were just doing our jigging stuff, uh, three-quarter ounce antifreeze heads, uh, baits with yellow in it. I did not tip with minnows, but I do know that the other anglers that did really well tipped with minnows. Mm-hmm. And uh, mainly because I didn't want to – you're supposed to have all the minnows dead if yeah. you're jigging in Canada. That's oh, common yeah, knowledge. Yeah. I didn't want there to be any gray area, anyone doubting if they were or were not on our boats. Right, right. I didn't bother so with minnows. Bother. And I'm more of a plastic guy. Yeah, yeah. Cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, um, yeah, so we just worked a program. Yeah. And, did you uh, stay in the same spot the entire tournament or did yeah. you? Did you? Yeah. Yeah, so – the old adage, don't leave fish to find fish. We did once. Okay, so yeah. during the day one after we got our bag, which was, uh, uh, shoot, I think it was around 27 pounds, 25 or 27 pounds, don't yeah. quote me. Um, we bumped up to an area farther up on the Canadian side of the Detroit River. So we pulled yeah. wire up there, nothing. So we're like, all right, let's, let's try jigging. No, we didn't no. even jig. So then we bumped up one other higher spot and yeah. we, we spot checked it with hand lining one more time. And then yeah. we went back down like this ain't happening. Let's grind the spot we were at to begin with. We should have never left. Yeah. Looking back. Yeah. So we grinded there till the end of the day, and my dad jigged a, a seven pounder. Oh, and nice. That, I mean, that we after we did that, we knew we were in a good place for day one. So we ended around 25, 27 pounds for five fish day nice. one. So let me let me stop you there. Yeah. If you had to use like what we do as fishermen, we we gotta figure out why what was going on. Mm-hmm. Why do you not think the fish were biting hand lining that day, but they were biting jigs? Hmm. You know, or it, you haven't figured it, you haven't thought about that. <laughs> I thought about it a little bit, Dan. So, um, typically when you're hand lining, that yeah. bait's in their face for a longer time, right? And it, it's agitating to them, uh-huh. and it's and it's really good. Now, Dan, the the spot I was in, it was so muddy, I would have never thought to jig it, but we had right. to try it. Yeah. Turns out that that was the ticket. Right. So um, one thing I will say is that we saw uh, anglers catching a lot of perch. Oh, really? Out in that area, just oh. above the spot. Okay. And, um, you know, it's common knowledge that a lot of times perch aren't right over the bottom. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hand lining for the most part, you've got baits covering a very specific portion right. of the water mm-hmm. column. And I think that the jigging stuff, and I could be totally off base. I'm okay with being wrong. Right. Um, I well, think it's that, also just an opinion too. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a just a thought of yeah. an idea. I think that the jigging stuff was more agitating because it looked like nest robbers. Oh, and okay. Not necessarily that perch, uh, pillage, uh, spawning walleye or other fishes eggs right may i don't know yeah but i do know that fish are genetically wired to get pissed off when when they're raiding their their reds or wherever they're spawning Uh so that jigging bite for these spawning females and we didn't catch a single male up in that spot right they were they were dropping eggs or getting ready to drop eggs and i think the um idea or the presentation of um egg robbers just pissed them off yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, we... Just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, that's what makes it fun is us trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out why. I mean, Calvin also told me that uh, he was running like a blacker, like oh, it wasn't a black, but like a dark purple. Yeah. And I don't know if this has anything, if the walleye act the same, but with salmon and steelhead, it seems like when it gets closer to spawning, when they're on the beds, almost a darker 
presentation can tick the fish off. And I mean, he said he was doing well on dark purple yeah. and maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, but yeah, I mean, I can confirm that I was there yeah. and that darker color stuff. I think the dark colors throw a good silhouette. Yeah. Um, yep. Especially in the muddy water. Oh yeah. I run yeah. black when it's dark like that on the Detroit river. It was, uh, it was the ticket. So yeah. Um, jigging and just grinding and being persistent. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we were all nerves after that. I mean, we we did. This is our first Michigan walleye tour ever. Yeah, that's we never exciting. anticipated being able to uh, come out at day one in, in fifth place. Yep. I mean, I know the river because I've I fished it, and that's like home water to me. Yeah. But um, pulling that off after having like the lowest of yeah. lows in practice, I didn't know how to process it. So, <laughs> um, some things that people that I look up to have told me in the past is just. Uh, Keep your head down, be confident, grind, and do what you're doing. Don't worry about what other guys are doing. Focus oh, yeah. on your program. So we did that day two. And that's the fun thing about tournaments, too. Yeah. I mean, some days you could catch your biggest fish in preseason, pre-fishing. Mm-hmm. Or you're you're like excited about it. You're like, I'm going to win this thing. And then you go out there and something changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what determines the winners is because they, they fish a lot. They try and figure this stuff out. And the guys that look at the different situations uh whether it's the weather whether it's uh, dirty water or something else the guys that can figure that stuff out and go in there and strike i mean Mm -hmm. you used what you knew from friday to do well man who knows what you would have done if you were able to fish on thursday yeah i mean shoot but it could then again it could have went the other way who who knows i mean that's why why we love this stuff yeah and and fishing to me what what i love so much about is it's the thinking man's game oh totally i mean don't get me wrong you can crack beers and just just lay back and have a good time but yeah. at the competitive stuff, you're constantly thinking, you're trying to adapt to these changing conditions and oh, trying yeah. to be consistent on these fish. So that's why I love it. So that's like char fishing every day. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. My, one of my buddies, uh, Tom Curtis, he was like, We fish tournaments every day because you got people <laughs> giving you a lot of money. You got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You got to figure it out that second. And if you don't, the customers look at you like you you don't know what you're doing. It's like, you do know what you're doing, but you're like, mm. you got, you got to produce and you got to look at the cha- ever changing conditions. Yeah. I never thought of it like that. That's oh, a really good it's, point. it's, it's like tournament fishing every day. Yeah. So the nice thing about trolling is, yeah, it depends on, it's more depending on you, but with jigging, it's more on the customer. And if the customer doesn't catch a fish, they look, they can sometimes look at you like you did something wrong, but it's, when you're jigging it's you're you're as good as your customer is yeah and the one thing i know about you dan fishing on your boat before is you do everything you can to set up people for success i try and uh i think that's why you have repeat customers and i think that if anyone's looking for a cool unique experience looking at things from a different perspective i think that your business chrome seeker sport fishing is a good thing to take a look at and i know guys can find you on facebook and uh your business page on there, what is Chrome Seeker Chrome Sport Seeker Fishing? underscore Sport Fishing. Yep. Facebook, Instagram. I think I have a Twitter account. <laughs> I don't know. How about I, MySpace? I I, uh, I think I stopped using MySpace before <laughs> I started guiding. I, yeah. Hard to, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that was not used then. <laughs> mm. But yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, Michigan Wallet Tour, that was really special to, uh, to fish that with my dad and, and my brother-in-law, Calvin. And, uh, 
you know, we slipped back a little bit from fifth place and ninth on day two, but at the end of the day, we got a top 10 finish. We had a great time. We overcame the odds and, um, had a lot of fun. Oh, it was a blast. That's Saginaw Bay Walleye Club. I just want to thank those guys and gals for putting on a great event. And it was really cool seeing my buddies from Lake St. Clair Walleye Association placing well on that event too. There was 125 teams Jeez. there. And uh was the know. river busy that day? I was still up north. Yeah, it was. Oh, that was that other tournament going on? Isn't there like last year the two tur- two big tournaments were the same day? I don't know about another big tournament, but I know there was probably some local stuff going on. But okay. Michigan Walleye Tour, that was the big event. But if anyone ever wants to get an experience on kind of fishing a, a tournament with more teams and, and uh, some really good competition, you should definitely check out an event for Michigan Walleye Tour. I do know they're coming to Lake St. Clair in June this year. Oh, so fun. I'll be there. So let me ask you this. Last year you fished that one tournament. Mm-hmm. It was, that was MWT, wasn't it? National Walleye Tour. Oh, that was National Walleye Tour. Yeah. So that's why you were paired with a pro then. But this one, this one, this tournament you just fished, anybody can fish it, right? Anyone can fish it. And I am not a pro. Okay. I, I am, I'm just a guy that loves to fish. Right. And I've got friends that are pros, and I'm just passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I fished against national pros at that event. Yeah. I fished against friends. Yeah. And the cool thing about Michigan Walleye Tour, it's just a big family having fun. And, that's uh, sweet. A lot of people passionate about the sport, so it was just cool to do my first one, and <laughs> super cool to uh, take a top ten with my family on the first event we ever fished. I wish I could uh, give up a week of steelhead fishing, <laughs> but it's, that's like peak steelhead season then. Yeah, well, I'll work on you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I uh, come home for a trip or two, we'll see, but... Um, so you got a couple tournaments. The one mm-hmm. I wish I could get in, but I'm not going to, is the, the Sioux St. Marie tournament. Oh, and that's yeah. National Walleye Tournament, right? Yeah, I'm so excited for that. So That um, place is just, uh, just by fishing up there the couple times I have, that place is just gorgeous. and can, I cannot imagine just trolling with all that beautiful scenery up there. Trolling, casting, jigging. I mean, there's, um, there's so many ways to dissect that water, and I've fished it for cold water fish yeah. but i haven't fished it for walleye a whole lot and i'm really thankful that i'm going to get up there and uh, pre-fish and hop in the boat with some really good people that yeah. i met during uh, national walleye tour last year and looking forward to a solid week of learning that body of water uh so we've talked about this before i think this would be interesting for your viewers but like getting on someone's boat mm-hmm. and like keeping your mouth quiet mm-hmm how does that go when you're fishing with some of these national pros? Do you just like just dissect it and keep your mouth shut? Do you put do you give opinions or do you just mm. be quiet the whole entire time? Yeah, so the big thing is when you're on a pro's boat, on my experience only fishing one event, is keep an open mind mm-hmm. and learn as much as you can because these guys have been doing it. They've spent seven days trying to dissect the water and get a program. Yeah. So it's not up for me as a co-angler to tell him or make suggestions yeah. how to fish it when he's worked his tail off for over a week getting a program. So yeah. what I recommend for guys fishing the event, learn as much as possible. Ask questions of your pro. Yeah. Um ask why they're doing what they're doing to better understand those techniques. And, and, you know, one thing I kind of get, I won't say upset about, but I just don't understand is when people say that, Hey, you're not talking about my body of water. It doesn't apply to me. I don't care. 
Yeah. Let me tell you, if you learn something on one body of water, it'll broaden your experience oh, yeah. and knowledge and help you apply techniques that you can use on your body of water. I do some of the stuff that they do out west. Uh, casting on Lake St. Clair, and, and everyone thinks it's just a, a weed trolling game on Lake St. Clair. Yeah, there's weed fish, yeah. but you can also get them casting. And if you don't believe me, I can point you to a handful of guys that, that nail fish casting all oh, the time yeah. on that lake. So anyways, um, for hopping on a pro's boat, yeah, just ask questions, learn as much as possible. Yeah, and don't be afraid of sounding like an idiot, but just be open minded. Yeah, and ask questions and observe. I imagine yeah. a lot because, I mean, I've heard I've heard that that doing that, getting on a pro's boat is like so much fun. It is, and I mean, maybe one day, but right now I'm concentrating on charter fishing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just learning my body's water, but something you just uh, talked about. Um, I wanted to go into learning new buys of water and doing different things. Mm -hmm. uh, another thing is that I didn't know until I started seeing some things on the internet, but uh, fishing leeches uh, with jigs on some of the inland lakes, especially near Traverse City. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a steelheader, so like obviously bobber fishing is uh, my thing, mm -hmm. but like I started watching people catching walleye on slip bobbers with leeches. And uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Pay attention. Yeah. Use techniques wherever you feel fit. Another thing I do on another lake is run bluegills under bobbers again. Most people don't think about it. But, man, you catch some of the biggest fish of the year running mm -hmm. bluegills with, under bobbers. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll say is pay attention to your regulations where that's oh, legal. Yeah. And uh, that was definitely legal where you were fishing. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I, I was with Dan when we were doing some of the leech and the slip bobber fishing up in the northwest part of the lower peninsula in Michigan. And oh, yeah, that was a camping trip works. with uh, Calvin's family. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We had a fun time. That was like our first time out there doing that, too. And, I mean, we didn't kill them because it was kind of a learning experience, but we mm -hmm. caught fish. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. So, yeah, just keeping an open mind and doing different things and just having a good time out there. It all adds up to a cumulative experience and helping you have more oh, knowledge to dissect water wherever you go. Yep. I think that's the funnest thing, Dan, is, um, you know, you've helped me learn how to read river stuff, and that's poured uh -huh. into my ability to learn and fish the Detroit River. Yeah. Um, I know the Detroit's a lot bigger than some of the rivers that we fish for salmon and steelhead, yeah. but the principles carry forward with finding current, finding places of rest where fish wait for oh, yeah. the current to bring food like a conveyor belt. You know, another thing someone told me about one time that it would work for the Detroit River, I didn't think about it until you said it. When I look at a big river, I look at, I make that bigger river into a smaller river, almost like uh like lines or yeah. paths, mm -hmm. um, dissecting that river to where you think the fish are. And when you get on the Detroit River, if you don't, if you never fished it, it, and there's no boats out there, you might just be like, "Well, where do I go?" Mm -hmm. But if you d dissect this the river to make it into like a smaller, is that making sense? Like yeah. make it into a smaller, smaller section. You'll be like, "Okay, well, I could see fish being there. I could see fish being there. I could." Well, maybe this is too flat or something, or mm -hmm. maybe there's no fish here. Um, I mean, that's helped me as a steelheader, and that's another thing that's probably helped me as a walleye fisherman. I didn't notice it until you just said something similar to that. Yeah, so what you're saying is that basically you're taking the water and dissecting it into 10 to 15 uh, foot wide 
uh, hash marks, if you yeah. will, and you'll work different sections, move out, move in, mm-hmm. and until you find the program where those fish are hiding and you're using your electronics. That's, oh, yeah. Uh, that's how you help dissect the water. Yep. And that's back to the whole GPS thing. Yep. I mean, you hit G- mark every time you hit a fish and you... You know certain sections that hold more fish, and if you go too far to the east or too far to the west, or you set up too high, you might not catch fish up high, or you might not catch fish down low. I mean, mm-hmm. just keep dissecting and learning as much as you can. Yeah, absolutely. So, Dan, i got to ask you, what do you think about that cherry maple? I'm going to grab some myself here. Mmm. Mm. Smoky. Got a little bit of cherry flavor. I wish uh, they made that into like a cologne or something. You could sm- <laughs> s- spray it around the room. The smell of it, and oh the taste of it. It's good stuff. So where can you get this stuff? You can get it. Um, so Beef Jerky Outlet's a national franchise, mm-hmm. but the closest one here is in Dundee, Michigan, right by the Big Cabela's. Oh, okay. You can go on their Facebook page, which is uh, Beef Jerky Outlet Dundee. Yeah. Or their website, which is DundeeJerky.com. Mm. Good stuff. Very good. A little bit good. of teriyaki flavor on this, too. Yeah, this one does. Very subtle. Yep. Man, you know what? This has got me thinking. I think I'm going to give some jerky away um, on the Facebook page. So be looking out for a giveaway for that for the listeners. I'm going to do it. Yep. I think the audience needs to taste some of this stuff. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Very good. Good. I'm glad you like I'm gonna, it. I'm going to just take the rest of this, <laughs> all this stuff. Thank you, Beef Jerky Outlet. We'll see you later next. I'll see you, Rob. Dan's leaving the studio with the goods. But um, Just kidding. No, it's all good, man. So, Dan, I'm excited to see how your season goes. Um, We're doing good. We're doing good. It was, it's was. it been fun. Uh, I need to do a trolling motor upgrade, but as soon as that is settled, I think it's going to help me even do better, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for Lake St. Clair. I'm excited to get up north and start salmon fishing. I mean, as soon as this weather breaks, I mean, it's just going to be awesome. And if you work outside, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It has been brutal this spring. So kudos to everyone that's working hard outside because it's been a tough, tough spring. Yeah, it has. (laughs) And I think it's even colder up north where your house is. Oh, yeah. Probably. It was colder. You guys got snow down here last week. Mm-hmm. And it was 65 degrees at my house in Beulah. What the heck? <laughs> you guys got robbed. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but we'll get it in. We'll get some nicer. Oh, yeah. Here. It's coming. I think it's coming this week. I think. <laughs> it I is hope. May now. Almost. Yeah, almost. Jeez. But, yeah. So there's some really good things coming down the pipeline for the show. And, uh you know, with the Walleye World podcast, we're going to have a little bit of everyone, local guys, guides like Dan, national touring pros, industry guys, and, and we just like talking walleye fishing. And uh, the big important thing is you can learn anything. You can learn something from anyone. Oh, yeah. And uh, Dan's got that unique perspective being a multi-species guy. And um, surround yourself with good people and you'll be surprised what happens and uh don't be afraid to get out of your comfort zone you know we did that with michigan walleye tour had a great time i'm really excited about the tournament season coming up here we've got michigan walleye tour national walleye tour i'm gonna fish one we've got the fun derbies through lake st Clair walleye association um just a couple things i want to talk about real quick for the audience 
I'm gonna enjoy some jerky while you yeah, do that. Yeah, go ahead. So help yourself with that beef jerky outlet stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, Lake St. Clair Walleye Association has their May Madness tournament. That's May 18th, and guess what? Um, we filled all the spots already. So online Ouch. registration is closed. 75 teams are going to be competing for a one-day event for $10,000 guaranteed through Dick Huvars and other fine sponsors through Lake St. Clair Walleye Association and the May Madness event. Really looking forward to that. That'll be a good time. Um, also, our club president, Tim Muir, along with a couple other members of the club, took out the MUCC executive director, a state representative from the 10th district, I believe, and some other key outdoor people to talk about some of the issues with increasing boater access to the Detroit River on the upper section and other conservation issues that are of concern for walleye anglers and any warm water angler. And uh, they had the opportunity to take out them to the launch sites and also take them on the water to fish. And I believe some of these people got their first fish ever. So it was pretty wow, cool. that's awesome. Yeah. So I just want to thank everyone that was involved in that. Um, Rich Benson, Tim Muir, Jeff Vantori, Eric Lenz, thank you guys for bringing the attention where it's needed to help anglers get more access to fishing resources. I thought that was really cool. Um, other than that, yeah, we got Made Madness coming on, and we had a great um, – April Derby. The fish weren't necessarily as big as we would have liked, but there were some great fish caught. I believe Joanne Cook caught a nice 27-inch walleye from the lower eh, middle area of the Canadian side on the Detroit River. Was that big fish? Yeah, yeah, on the Masters Division. There's an open division for guys that are just hopping in on the club. Yeah, and there's a youth division too. So, oh, cool. It's a lot of fun for just you know, basically bragging rights, having fun. Local guys having fun yeah. fishing the. Detroit River, St. Clair River, and Lake St. Clair. Um, May is going to be a busy time with the tournament and also uh, the other club activities going on. But Lake St. Clair Walleye Association has a ton of good things going on. Walleye fishing is awesome now and it's going to keep getting better. So I can't wait to get out there in May. Unfortunately, I can't fish May Madness, but uh, my dad will be out there repping. And I saw the field who's fishing that event. Real good sticks. So if you're fishing that, you're going to have a blast. So, yeah, I just want to thank the May Madness uh, sponsors for the event. I can't list them all, but you can check them out on our Facebook page. It's Lake St. Clair May Madness Tournament. One thing I didn't talk about too much, but, um, you know, we were jigging stuff, and I did something a little bit different for me for Mi Michigan Walleye Tour, is I use paddle tail baits. I typically don't use them a whole lot, but I use these custom Renegade Outdoor Innovations custom Kitech Easy Shiners. They got their four inches like your typical split tail minnow bait that you use on the Detroit okay. River. But they have a paddle tail and they have these oh, custom really? patterns on them. So they don't come from the factory like this. Yeah. And there's like an antifreeze with tiger stripes and purple head, purple tail called Chaos. I ran oh, that nice. and I consistently got my four pound, four pound plus fish that helped us on day two yeah. for the event. How much is a packet of one of those things? Um, It depends. So one thing I'll say that Lake St. Clair Walleye Association members get a discount. Okay. So that's definitely a good benefit of being an LSCWA guy. Yeah. For like a packet of what, 10? Um, For those, I think seven come in them. Seven. And they're, okay. they're all custom stuff, and I guarantee you those fish haven't seen it. So yeah. it made a difference for me mm -hmm. as a tournament fisherman, and uh, they're awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyways, um, 
Dan, you got any other closing thoughts or things you want to talk about your guide service? Yeah, yeah. I got a, I got a deal for any of your listeners. Uh, anyone that wants to go on a charter with me, no matter what it is, if you book a full charter, like for the uh, smaller rivers in Michigan, that's three-person or uh, any Great Lakes trips, Detroit River, Lake Michigan, Lake St. Clair, uh, four-person trip, 10% off. For any of those trips, cool. Uh, just tell me you listen to the podcast and you would like the deal. Um, but I just appreciate you getting me on the air. I mean, it was kind of short notice, and um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll be meeting some of your listeners. Yeah, that'd be I awesome. Can't wait. It's going to be a fun year. It's going. I mean, I think the fisheries are changing for the better. Mm-hmm. I mean, the salmon are big. The walleye fishing is just phenomenal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can go anywhere on the east side and catch walleye. Heck, we're targeting trout and salmon up in Lake Huron, and you're still catching walleye. <laughs> so, I mean, it. and then this, I don't know if you heard this, but the smell, there's big words about smoke coming back. I've seen some pictures on Facebook. Yeah. So that's exciting. That's exciting for, like, the whole state of Michigan. I mean, that would be fun to grab a couple of beers and go net and smell, <laughs> especially yeah. with these little little munchkins you guys have growing up, like go smelt fishing in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. We got a couple of years for that. but <laughs> yeah. In due time. <laughs> yeah, but it's great to see that the fisheries are doing well and it's mm-hmm. going to be a fun year. Absolutely. So I would tell listeners, if you want to get a hold of Dan and take advantage of that discount that he's giving, just go to his Facebook page, Chrome Seekers Sport Fishing, and just drop him a DM. Go ahead yep. and slide into his DMs. <laughs> tell him that you heard about him on the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association's Walleye World Podcast, and he'll get you set up. And tell you what, not only because he is a really good friend of mine, but I've seen his customers on his boat. They always have a great time and enjoy themselves. And uh they always come back for more. So that's the name of the game. <laughs> that's right. Giving so. them a good time. And another thing you can do, do outside my social media is go to chromeseekers.com. That okay. has all my salmon and steelhead fishing stuff uh, throughout the state of Michigan. And then a new website. Well, it's it's live right now. It takes you to my site, but eventually it'll be its own site on its own is michiganwalleyefishing.com. Sweet. And that has all my rates for my walleye fishing trips. Cool. Yeah, so listeners, definitely check that out. Dan, thank you so much for coming out thank and you doing a show me. with us. And uh, we look forward to doing more. And uh, you can go ahead and take some of those beef jerky All right, see samples with you. <laughs> so we'll be talking soon. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. And take care. Till next time. Fish on.